Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. We have been in our series called Reach, and we've been talking about, uh, about God's heart for people. And uh, that uh, the, really the headwaters of this river of love uh, is found in the heart of God. And, uh, and two weeks ago, Yathas Johnson was here. He, he, he lives in Metro New York, and he talked to us about, from Jeremiah chapter 29, how God is transplanting the city of peace in the city of confusion. We talked about for us, about how God's planted us here and how we can be, uh, we can be peacemakers in our city. We can, we can plant seeds of peace and be peace right here in Salem. Um, and, and then last week, uh, David Hearn, uh, president of, of uh, CMA in Canada, in a very sedate and serene way last week. <laughs> Talk to us about Pentecost. Man, it was so, so great having David with us. And uh, he's, he's a busy guy, so I'm so grateful he made time in, in his calendar to be, be with us. And, and David just talked about how um, he had this quote that mission without holy fire leads to humanitarianism. And holy fire without mission can lead to fanaticism. But when you put mission and holy fire together, what you get is revolution. And if ever there was a time in our world where people's hearts need to be just, just transformed, where there needs to be a spiritual revolution in our world, it's now. And so we need to be a people who are filled and empowered by the Spirit. And, and you probably have guessed by now that today we're talking about the world, about God's heart for the world. Um, and uh, and we're, we're blessed to have Matt and Rachel Clayson with us. Matt and Rachel have been here before. They're uh, connected to our partnership in the Middle East. They serve in Amman, Jordan. And um, Matt is the one of, one of the senior international workers on the team. He's really old. Um, uh, he and I are the same generation. He denies that. Uh, but he, we're the same. I think he colors his hair. But I'm not, I'm not really sure. But Matt, come on up here. Come on up here. Would you welcome him as he comes and, uh, and opens God's word? Shameless. Last service has to take a shot at me. Steve wishes we were the same generation. It's very good to be with you. Uh, We are very grateful for uh, our partnership uh, with Salem Alliance Church and how you have blessed us over the years by uh, sending people out to us, by sending teams like the Field Forum team that was just up here, by sending Steve and Trina. Uh, to be with us. And so we're just very grateful for your partnership with us. We couldn't do what we do uh, in Jordan without your partnership with us. Uh, so I just want to start by saying thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for your giving to missions uh, and being a part of what God's doing uh, in Jordan. I wanted to introduce you to my family. Uh, my wife Rachel is here with me, uh, but my four daughters could not make the trip. Uh, interestingly enough, in Jordan, you're not really a man until you've had sons. And so I get lots of different advice on how to have sons, some of it pictorial in nature and a little graphic. And uh, sometimes it's things like take a second wife and things like that, and my wife's not signing off on that one. So we're just going to be content and very pleased with the four daughters that God has given us. And we do feel very blessed to have the four daughters uh, that we have. And uh, although they couldn't make the trip, I I recorded a short video of them. I'd love to introduce them to you. Uh, So we're just going to watch a brief little clip here. uh, Because in a real sense, we feel God has called us as a family uh, to the Middle East. That it's not just me and Rachel, but our whole family is called. Uh, And we're trying to help our daughters understand that and embrace that mission as well. So I just want to introduce them to you here in this brief little video.
Nightmare and Pancreation. I feel My name's Kenna and, and, and I'm six years old. My name is Mia Bell and I'm almost nine years old. My name is Madeline and I'm 10 years old. I learned Jordan. What do you like about Jordan? I like to go to Petra. I love living in Jordan. What do you love about Jordan? Um, 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 playing. What I like about Jordan is the church and the food. The food is my favorite food in, my favorite Jordanian food is hummus, which is smashed chickpeas with olive oil and some spices. Uh, the, what I like about the church is it's in Arabic, so it's a little tricky to understand. And they don't have too many supplies, but the way they, the way they tell the stories, it's just interesting. Elena. Um, yeah, that was the half of the Lord's Prayer. Very good. We're there to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. Why do we need to tell people about Jesus? Because some people don't know about Jesus and they don't believe Jesus. When you got girls that cute, it's hard not to show them. We continue to be involved in our community center in Jordan, and uh, our community center is basically the way that we look to serve and bless the community around us and find a way to minister to them. And through that, then we get opportunities to talk about Jesus. So we teach English, we have refugee programs, we have community groups, we have mom's programs, uh, kids' programs. And again, we're just looking for ways that we can bless and serve the community around us, and then that gives us a chance uh, to speak into people's lives. Uh, and that's the, that continues to be the primary focus of our ministry. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with us, we have a prayer card and, some, and a prayer letter sign-up sheet out in the back. If you'd like to sign up for a prayer letter, you're welcome to do that or take a prayer card uh, and pray for us. We'd be grateful for that as well. Before we jump into the message, let's just turn to the Lord one more time uh, in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just ask again uh, this morning that you would uh, inhabit this place, Lord Jesus, and that you would inhabit my words, Lord God, that as I speak, uh, that your words would become clear that the words that I have to offer don't have life, but your word is life, Lord God. And I just pray that your word would uh, speak to each one of us, that you would give us the wisdom and discernment to hear, Lord Jesus, what it is you're saying to each one of us, and that you would give us the courage, Lord God, to follow you in obedience in whatever way you're inviting us to follow you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I miss the most about, Amer about America when I'm in Jordan are the trees. We don't have a lot of trees in Jordan. In fact, Jordan is basically a giant desert, so we don't have hardly any trees. 
And we live in a, in a capital city of about two and a half million people. And so uh, there's just not hardly any trees there. And so I miss them very much. I grew up in, in West Africa. And in West Africa, where I grew up, uh, we had grapefruit trees and orange trees and mango trees and papaya trees all in our front yard. And then in the backyard, there was this big tree. And my brother and I went back there. And after we chased out all the army ants, uh, we built a tree house up there. And we used to climb up there with our BB guns and shoot down at anything that would move down below. So we loved growing up with that kind of a place where we had access to lots of trees. My oldest daughter always complains. She says, uh, you got to grow up in Africa with lots of trees. And the biggest tree we have in our front yard in Jordan is about this big. That hasn't kept her from climbing in and breaking off just about every branch that it has. But uh, she loves to complain and say, it's not fair. I, I have to live in a city and you got to grow up in Africa. Why am I talking about trees? Well, I'm convinced that if we're going to understand this great commission that Jesus gives us, we have to fully understand the story of the Bible. And the more we understand this story of the Bible, the more we can fully appreciate what Jesus says in Matthew 28 in his great commission. And I want to suggest to you this morning that one of the ways we can understand this story of the Bible is to understand that it is a story about trees. We'll come back to that in just a second. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, sometimes God asks us to do things and we don't totally understand why he asks us to do them. Sometimes he just asks us to obey him and to trust him and we don't understand why. But I'm convinced this is not one of those times. That Jesus gives us this commission and the more we understand this story of the Bible, the more we understand what's going on in the scriptures, the more we can understand the reason for this great commission that Jesus gives us. And that story begins and ends with trees. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The very beginning of the story, we see that God plants this garden or creates this garden where there is this tree, particularly this tree of life. At the very end of the Bible, again, we see the very same tree come back into play. In Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, it tells us, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb on the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations." The very beginning of the Bible, we have this tree, this tree of life. And the very end of the Bible, we have this tree, this tree of life. And so one of the ways we can more fully understand and appreciate this story of Scripture is to understand what it means to live between these two trees. So for our time this morning, we're going to think about three different ways of what it means to live between these two trees. We're going to talk about a place, we're going to talk about a plan, and we're going to talk about the present. The first way we can understand what it means to live between two trees is to understand the place that God created us for. And that's the place we just read about in Genesis chapter 2, this Garden of Eden, where Adam and God creates Adam and Eve and puts them in the garden, and they have full communion with God. They have intimacy with God. They walk with God in the cool of the garden in the evening. They know God fully and are known fully by God. And then if you remember the story, what do Adam and Eve do? They, 
disobey God. They're kicked out of the garden. They're expelled. In fact, the scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that God placed an angel to block the way to the tree of life. But that was the place we were created for. That was the place we were intended to be. That was the kind of relationship with God we were intended to enjoy. That was the kind of place that we were created to enjoy and to be in. When Adam and Eve sinned, that all changed. Access to that place is no longer available. Have you ever felt you didn't belong? Ever felt you were created for another place? I feel that sometimes, even in ministry in Jordan, and even though we feel like we're exactly where God wants us, that sometimes I feel that sort of longing for something more welling up within me. Like there's something more, there's something else out there. I see this sometimes in my Jordanian friends, and most often where I've noticed it sort of most poignantly is when I'm in a taxi with the taxi driver, because I'm sort of a captive audience, and so I get to hear all of their opinions about just about everything in the world. And one of their favorite things to talk about when they find out I'm, I'm from the States is that they love to tell me how they feel about American policy and foreign policy in particular. And uh, Jordanians are not necessarily fond of American foreign policy. And so it's sort of always an interesting conversation. And what I find particularly interesting is that I know that no matter how they feel about some of America's uh, choices in foreign policy and things like that, I also know that if I could tell them I could get them a visa to America, they would change their song pretty quick. Many of them would cut off their left arm if they thought they could get a visa to, if I could get them a visa to America. And I've come to realize this is a part of their longing for a place. They believe if they could just get to America, they'd find that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They'd find the happiness they're searching for and everything in life would be good. They believe that longing would be fulfilled just by getting to the West. But we know better than that, don't we? We realize that longing for a place is for that place we were created for in the very beginning. We see this actually in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 11, that passage of Scripture known for these faithful witnesses of God throughout history. It talks about how all these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted they were aliens and strangers on earth. I can't think of a better description of people out of place. It goes on to say, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. They're longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That's that city we read about in Revelation chapter 22. That city where once again we have access to that tree of life. We have a young lady that's coming to our center right now. She's wrestling with this longing. She realizes this longing for a place in her heart. And she's wrestling with the implications of what that means. You see, she's grown up in a Muslim family and all of her relatives and all of her friends and everyone she's ever known has been a Muslim. And so as this longing for a place wells up within her and as she explores what that means to try to find the fulfillment of that longing, she's come to the realization of what it will cost her if she chooses to continue to pursue that. She sat down at a dinner one evening with one of my teachers and she said, I'm going to find the truth no matter what it costs me. She recognizes that longing for a place, but she's also realizing the cost of what that means. The first way we can understand what it means to live in this time between two trees is to understand the place God's created us for. The second way we can understand what it means to live between two trees is to understand the plan God has for getting us back to that place. And that plan is that all people and all peoples on earth 
we'll have a chance to get back to that place. This is the testimony of Scripture from beginning to end. God's heart is that all peoples everywhere would have a chance to get back to that place we were created for. We see this at the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. From the very beginning, it was God's plan that through Abraham and throughout the story of Scripture, all peoples would have a chance to know him. We see this again at the very end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is the plan of Scripture, that all peoples everywhere would have a chance to get back to that place. And that plan culminates in a person. And of course, we know who that person is. God sent Jesus to be the one who gets us back to that place. Galatians chapter 4, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. God sends Jesus as the one to restore us back to that place. God sends Jesus as the one to liberate us and set us free so that we can get back to that place, so we can have access once again to that tree of life. There's a young man that comes to our center. He's a good friend of mine. His name is Khalid. And uh, he grew up in a very Islamic family. Uh, and in this family, his mother uh, was actually had memorized the Quran, which is the Muslim holy book, and had taught other people to memorize it. And his father would fast every Ramadan, which is the Muslim month of, of fasting. He would fast every Ramadan, and he would read through the Quran three times as sort of a religious ritual to sort of help him get uh, extra good works in heaven. So this is the sort of family Khalid grew up in. And so one day Khalid came to me and he said, you know, I've heard a little bit about Passover. I've heard a little bit about Easter, about Jesus dying on the cross. And he said, I don't really know what those things mean. He said, can you tell me what that means? And I said, no, I'm way too busy. I don't have time. No, of course I didn't say that. I said, absolutely. And we sat down in that very, that very moment and I got a chance to point out about God's plan that culminates in this person of Jesus. About how God's plan in Jesus is for everyone to get back to that place we were created for, for everyone to have access to that God that we got to know. Living between two trees means understanding the place God's created us for. It means understanding the plan God has that all people would get back to that place. This is really what the Great Commission is all about. Understanding that place, understanding that plan. The third way we can understand what it means to live between two trees is to understand the present. And to understand that the present is now our time for helping everyone get back to that place. How will they know unless we tell them? Just as Jesus is the culmination of God's plan, we are the fulfillment of that plan. That now it's on us as the church, on us that know Jesus to tell other people about him. So that everyone everywhere can have the opportunity to know Jesus. That everyone everywhere, all peoples, can have the opportunity to know this Jesus that we've come to know. Again, we see this throughout Scripture. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love that last week was Pentecost Sunday and we talked about, you talked about the filling of the Spirit and, and how that, that, that filling has to precede fulfillment. 
how important it is to be filled with the Spirit and receive that power that transforms you into witnesses. But I want you to notice with me here that the invitation is not to be witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or to the ends of the earth, but the invitation of Scripture is to be involved in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's not either here or there, but both here and there, both in Jerusalem and Judea and the ends of the earth. One of the privileges I have of being able to travel around and speak in different churches and get to know lots of different people is I get to hear how different people in different churches are engaged in their local Jerusalem and Judea. I remember in the fall, I was in Arizona in a small church out there and met a guy who had a tow truck business. And uh, there's a main interstate that runs through this city in Arizona, goes all the way to Los Angeles. And as such, there's lots of semi-trucks and transportation that goes through that city. And so he uh, was regularly called out with his tow truck to go out and help some truck driver that was stranded or broken down. And sometimes he'd have to transport that person all the way from where he was in Arizona, about eight hours away to Los Angeles. But as I sat down and had a conversation with him, what excited me was how he told me, no matter what, who or who goes into his cab, no matter who gets into his truck, he looks at it as an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. He understood that as a tow truck driver, God had called him to be involved in his local Jerusalem. And he understood what it meant, even in whatever line of work he was in, that he was to be a witness in his local Jerusalem and Judea. But the reality is, is there are still places in the world where people have had very little chance to ever know about who Jesus is. And that's why Romans tells us, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Last summer when we came home from Jordan, We've been home a few months. We received sort of a startling email from some of our friends in Jordan, our neighbors upstairs, actually, our neighbors, Maher and Alusha. They have a six-year-old daughter about the same age as my daughter, McKenna. And uh, McKenna and Amelia love to play together, and they get along very well. And uh, so it was rather surprising when we received an email from Alusha that Maher had gone to the airport to pick up her and her daughter as they were coming back from a trip and was loading their luggage into the car when he suddenly had a very sudden and catastrophic heart attack and died. And it hit us a little bit hard. It hit me particularly as I realized here's this neighbor who's not much older than I am who suddenly no longer has a chance to respond to Jesus. And I began to think a little bit about how many times did he really have a chance to hear about Jesus. And I had some regrets, honestly, that I had not done more to build that relationship, to, to have more opportunities to share with him. And I got to thinking, outside of me, how did he ever have a chance to hear about Jesus? And I began to do some thinking in my head and sort of comparing Maher, my friend, with an average American person here in the United States in terms of how many times do people get on an average day to hear about Jesus? And so I thought about an average person here in the States getting up in the morning and getting on the internet and searching around. And I thought, if, if someone here in the United States wants to find out about Jesus on the internet, there are websites that will tell them. And if they get in their car to go to work and they turn on the radio, they flip around long enough, they'll find a radio station that tells them about Jesus. And if they get to work and they work at even a medium-sized company, statistics tell us that it's very likely someone else at that company knows about Jesus. Maybe many 
other people at that company know about Jesus. And as an average American drives home from work, from work to home, how many different churches do they drive by on their commute? And if they pop into Walmart to grab some groceries or something to eat, they walk by the book section, there's Bibles there for sale or other Christian books. And if they turn on the television when they get home, they flip around different stations, they could probably find a station that would tell them about Jesus. And I compared that with my friend Maher and I thought about his daily routine. When he gets on the internet in the morning, there are some sites that might tell him about Jesus, but the reality is, is many of those sites are blocked. And as he gets in his car and turns on the radio, and I remember seeing him sit every morning in his car waiting to go to work. As he turns on the radio, he doesn't get any Christian radio stations. All he gets is stations playing the Quran over and over again. And as he gets to work, there's no one else at work that knows about Jesus. And the reality is, is if they knew that he was interested in Jesus, he might have some problems. As he drives home from work, he doesn't drive by church after church after church. He drives by mosque after mosque after mosque. He stops in a supermarket. There's no Bible there. There's no Christian books. If he turns on his television, he has a satellite dish that most Jordanians have. There's no stations on television that will tell him about Jesus. I thought about Maher. How many times did he really have a chance to hear about Jesus? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? He doesn't call all of us to go, but he does invite all of us to be involved, both here and there, both in our Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. The beautiful thing about being a part of a network of churches like the Christian Missionary Alliance is that we can do this in some sense together. In the Alliance right now, in that window you see right there, they have identified about 4,000 different people groups, not people, 4,000 different people groups who have little to no access to the gospel, who are very much like my friend Maher, who have no chance or very little chance to ever hear about Jesus. In fact, statistics tell us 86% of all Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists in the world don't know anyone who follows Jesus. And so right now, especially in the Christian Missionary Alliance, we're focused on trying to reach some of these people groups. Right now, we're working among about 70 of these people groups. We can't reach all 4,000 at once. We're focusing on 70 of these with the resources God's given us. Unfortunately, there's other groups working as well. And Rachel and I work among one of these 70. Because we're convinced this is what fulfilling the Great Commission is all about. It's about giving people everywhere, everyone everywhere, a chance to know this Jesus that we've come to know. How is God asking you to get involved? How is he inviting you to be involved in the ends of the earth? Maybe it's by praying for missionaries. Maybe just adopting one missionary to pray for. Or maybe it's by taking $2 or $3 a week and giving it to missions. Or maybe it's in going on a short-term trip like you just heard about in the passport. Or maybe it's allowing someone in your family to go out as a career. He doesn't call all of us to go, but he does invite all of us to be involved. We need your partnership. We need your help with us so that everyone everywhere can have a chance to know this Jesus we've come to know. 
There's another young lady who comes to our center, and uh, she's a very intelligent young lady. I knew that she was very intelligent. The very first night of class, we were in an upper-level English class, and I was passing out words to define. And so she, uh, every, every student had a word, and she had the word germs. And uh, so we were going around, all the students were writing out their own definitions, and we came to her, and she said, pathogenic microbes. I thought, wow, maybe she should be teaching this class. Very intelligent young lady. And so we're having a conversation a little bit later, further in the semester, and we're, we're talking about uh, Easter time, because it's around Easter time there in Jordan. And, and she sort of looks at me with a quizzical look on her face, and she goes, you, you mean Christians believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And oddly enough, the word for Easter in Arabic is sort of translated day of resurrection or holiday of resurrection. And so I said to her, I said, what do you think holiday of resurrection means? And she said, I thought you just celebrated that day at the end of all time when God will raise all people to judgment. And it struck me, here's a lady that knows how to define germs as pathogenic microbes, but doesn't know what Easter means. She knows pathogenic microbes, but doesn't know that Jesus rose from the dead. The invitation of Scripture is for us to be involved both here and there, all the way to the ends of the earth. How is God inviting you to be involved? Maybe it's just one small thing, just take one small step today to be a part of his mission that everyone everywhere can know him. Living between two trees means understanding the place God created us for. It means understanding the plan God has for getting us back to that place. And it means understanding that the present is now our time to be a part of his mission. One of the conversations in our house lately is, uh, why do we do this? Uh, right now, that conversation centers around the issue of a puppy. My children would like a puppy. And uh, I've always been very against this idea because the idea of taking a small puppy on a flight, or at least two or three flights, across thousands of miles just sounds awful to me. Unfortunately, my wife has now joined with my four daughters, and it's not looking very good. But as we have this conversation, the, one of the questions that always comes up from the girls is, why don't we just stay here? We could live here in America. We could have a puppy. We wouldn't have to worry about taking it overseas. And one of the things we're trying to teach the girls, and you, you heard them at the beginning, is that the reason we go to a place like Jordan is because we serve a God who loved us enough to come and to live between two trees just like we do. He came to live in this time between two trees, just like we have had to live. And not only did he come to live between two trees, but he also died between two trees. And more than anything else, that's what compels us to be involved in his mission. It's as we experience this love he demonstrated on the cross, that's what compels us to share that with other people. To give other people all over the world a chance to know this same Jesus that we've gotten to know. There's nothing particularly special about us. If you've been around us very long, you'll realize we're very regular people. But as we've gotten to experience the love of Jesus in our lives, that's what compels us to go and give other people the opportunity to know this same Jesus we've gotten to know. And so my prayer and my hope for you is that you won't look at trees quite the same again. As you drive home today, as you see the trees uh, in this beautiful part of the country, that you will remember the place God created us for. You'll remember the plan God has for getting us back to that place. 
And you'll remember that the present is our time to be involved in his mission, that all people everywhere might have a chance to know him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you loved us enough to come and to live between two trees just like in this time that we are living. Not only that, Lord Jesus, but you also came and you died between two trees. We praise you and thank you for that. Lord Jesus, I just ask that that would be the compelling factor that encourages us to get involved in your mission, both here in our local Jerusalem and Judea and also to the ends of the earth. Lord, I pray that you would show each one of us how we can get involved in your mission, both here and there, Lord God, that everyone everywhere would have an opportunity to know you. That we would experience you so much in our lives, Jesus, that that would compel us, that would overflow out of us to be involved in your mission. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.